Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. I'm your host. I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I am joined by Marina Vanderlerd. Um... From woman of salad, uh, former MTV presenter, um, and this is a great chat. Um, I, I guess I first uh, saw Marina uh, uh, as uh, on MTV in the uh, the early to mid nineties, and and then was lucky to see salad play many times, um, and w- w- was thrilled to see uh, last year that a new album. Emerge from salad, um, and we talk about all of this. And uh, but before we get on with the episode, just um, a quick thank you to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Uh, huge thanks to Seventy Six for producing this podcast. And also, if this is your first time listening to Off the Beaten Track, um, when you finish listening to this, go and have a look in the archives because you will see episodes in there with some of um, your favourite musicians, actors, artists, comedians, producers. Go, go and get stuck in because there's some incredible episodes uh, to be listened to. Um, and as well as that, if you wish to support the podcast uh, uh, further from that, then I have a Patreon page where I put alone, uh, I put up standalone episodes even uh, each week over there and radio shows and and mixtapes and stuff and video episodes. So there's loads of stuff over there. You can find out about everything uh, to do with this podcast at offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Anyway, let's get back to today's episode. Please enjoy Off The Beat and Track with Marina van der Vlert. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. You've made stew with him. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track. Sitting opposite me today via the means of Zoom is Marina van der Vlert. Yes. Excellent news. <laughs> Pronunciation on point. Wonderful. We had 10 minutes of lessons before that. <laughs> How are you, Marina? I am well today. Thank you very much. So before we get on with um, the... the the playlist of songs i'm just kind of interested how you found the last sort of we're, we're five months into lockdown as we record this now is it five yeah. four five uh, an eternity it feels like um yeah how have you found it as a as a human and as a creative very good to, to very two very different things there um up and down in both fields so i have a kid uh, and he's autistic and he's 12 um, and having him at home all the time, we decided to do anyway by stroke of luck three weeks beforehand, we decided to take him out of school because school was failing him. So we were already quite, um, we were prepared to have him at home. So that was a blessing. It wasn't like a real big, like, oh my God, what are we going to do with this boy? Yeah. So actually it's been a real blessing because we are seeing him develop his own personality without all the stresses of school which were really traumatizing him so that's been a real plus not always easy but really lovely to get to know our boy and his favorite habitat which is home (laughs) um and um creatively it was really tough because we had to cancel five gigs straight away um first one was mid March you know and the second one was the last one was mid April and we just shut down as a band we were so we it hit us really hard emotionally we're like oh I, I can't even get my head around doing anything creative you know everybody was saying oh I've got all this time now I can write that book I can you know do a solo album we were like 
I actually just want to cook clean and sleep. And uh, it's really interesting that you say that. Um, you know, in, in lockdown, I've, I've recorded so many of these with some, you know, some amazing creative people. Um, and nobody seems to be sort of trying to force anything. It's like, look, you know, you, you've got time that you probably would never have had. But is that necessarily the right time to go, right, now I'm going to write a book. Now I'm going to write a new album. It's like these things aren't things that can be forced, right? It's got to kind of... They can't be forced. And uh, you really do have to be in the right mind. And there was so much to get used to. And it took about three months for us to get our heads around doing something again. And, um, and you can only do what you feel you're capable of. So the only thing that w- I felt I was capable of was doing some live listening parties on Facebook. I don't know whether you're aware of those. Um, just to keep keep us alive somehow and, and keep um, keep that bond going with, with, the, with the people that listen to our music, which otherwise we would have had when we were playing live. Um, and that's been a real boost. Yeah. Also floors me for about three days afterwards, um, but it's been absolutely brilliant. So we've done about four of those now, yeah. um, and you know, uh, Bandcamp have been absolutely brilliant in in sort of having no fee Fridays yeah. once a month, things like that, um, and people still buying. And we we ha- we slashed our prices last Friday uh, for a day, and uh, now we've got to go to the post office with like absolutely a meter and a half <laughs> pile of vinyls and cds i'm um, glad i'm not the person in the queue behind you because i would not be liking you at that point <laughs> you know what i'm gonna do it in stages i'm gonna do a few a day <laughs> uh, some lucky punters are getting theirs hand delivered if they live in either south or north london where some of the other band members live so they've got oh, know, that's amazing it's been really fun it's been all about connections Stu human connection i think we'll all um i think we'll all um agree that that's what we missed most completely completely and and i picked up on that very very quickly and it's it's something that was really random but i try and run every day and just not not far but just to do uh, just to kind of keep my body ticking over and generally if a runner runs past another runner you'll generally kind of acknowledge each other whether it be a wave or a morning or whatever and and where I live you don't generally talk to strangers because it's quite a rough place where I live Mm-hmm. And, and and you know even in London you wouldn't walk down the street and and you know and start talking to random people because it's just unfortunately it's not the way that our society is kind of built. No, how London works. When you're in Amsterdam, it's different. And I once came from back from Amsterdam on a holiday, and I started talking to people on the on the bus, and because that's what I used to, you know, and the looks I got. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> but, but but then if you find you know if I if I go to the Lake District or I go to you know some smaller villages and you know on a holiday, the mentality is different there. But li- living in sort of you know kind of I, I, I guess you know on, on the outskirts of London and, and in London, it's not the done thing. Which, you know, is a shame. However, what was happening was not just the people that I'd run past, but if people were walking their dogs, even on the other side of the road, they'd been starved of human connection and they would literally kind of wave or say good morning, which was lovely. And it was lovely them runs for so many reasons. was not just the fact that random people were saying good morning to each other and acknowledging it and missing that interaction, but there wasn't any planes in the sky and there was no traffic on the roads. Oh, wasn't it glorious? And it was clear blue skies. I was like, this feels like for all of the awful things that's happening, it did for a moment feel like some parts of the world were starting to reset. It just felt like it was a kind of system restore for want of a, you know. Definitely. And, and how we all hoped it would continue, um, not with the deaths, but with the, the silence, the quiet and the peace and the not so much travel and people deciding not to take flights. But yeah. I don't think it's I think it's pretty much back to normal. I it's, see people on holiday all over Facebook and Instagram in Greece. And, and you know, um, they, they had to have flown there. So, yeah, yeah. Mm. Should we talk about some records? 
Yeah, gosh, it's been such a fun memory lane thing. Oh, my God. Good. Very hard. It's on my desktop, so I'm trying to move it so I can see you okay. and my text. Yeah, it's, it's meant to be hard. Um, that's that's the whole point. And we're going we're gonna to dig in as well. So um, yeah. track one, what do you regard as having – what do you regard as the song with the greatest ever intro? Well, I'm really glad you asked this because the other day I heard this on the radio and I thought, oh, my God, it takes ages for the singing to come in for this song. I already know what it is and I love it. And where are the vocals? And so when you asked this, this had to be the one I answered with. And, it, and it's Sound and Vision by David Bowie. Oh, oh. Um, because, I mean, I was really pleased that I could have a David Bowie in, in, in because in this set of questions because, I mean, he holds a very place in, very special place in my heart. Doesn't he hold a very special place in most people's hearts? Because I was just wondering when I was listening to Sound and Vision, how did, how did he make his music work for us? Because, you know, you get so immersed in it, um, but it's so unpredictable and unconventional yet familiar and makes sense. Because his music sometimes is funky. It's like, I don't like funk, but I like David Bowie. Yeah. What's he doing? You know, and yet he just makes it work. Yeah. Um, and, I lo- and I love the fact, and I've watched a few documentaries on him lately, and I love the fact that he modeled his vocal style on Anthony Newley, you know, and, and he got away with it. <laughs> and so he is like, on paper, it shouldn't work, yeah. but it does. And oh. of course, his charisma. So, yeah, I mean, the intro. Are we going to listen to it? I mean, are you going to put what? How what, do that So, what work? we do is we put a Spotify playlist together to accompany this so people can go and listen to all of your tracks. And, and obviously, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll put salad tracks on there as well. Um, okay. I think one of the, 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 I mean, a lot of people have chose Bowie tracks for this question. You know, mm-hmm. no one's chose Sound and Vision yet. Mm-hmm. Um, when it probably would have been mine uh, mm-hmm. had, had I chose it, purely as, as growing up obsessed with synth pop and synth playovers hmm. the moment that synth playover drops on that intro it just takes it somewhere else it's just it's a glorious record it is and um bowie because uh, i i'm i'm from holland as as you probably know and i moved to england when i was nearly 13 so 12 and three quarters very important to have put the three quarters in there and um I remember it was very much like going on an adventure. You know, I was going to school, to a new school, boarding school, and my Dutch friends would ask me, so, uh, you know, how does it feel? Are you excited about it? I said, yes, I am, because David Bowie lives in England. So I'll get to meet him, which I never did. So. You never did. I was going to ask, um, you know, through, through the years in, in this industry. Uh, I did see him play live at Phoenix Festival, so that's as close as I got. I was right at the front, yeah. Wonderful. He's still a, like a god to me. He's, he, I mean, there, there was some um, some stuff on the iPlayer uh, about a month or so ago about Bowie, and and I've probably watched a hundred different Bowie documentaries, but if one comes on, I'll watch it again. And at the end, yet again, just go into just this huge like rabbit hole of watching <laughs> Bowie on YouTube, and and it's just <clears throat> you know, and and, and I think. What's so good about it as well is is the fact that he did put out some duff records, you know, yeah. but it didn't stop him progressing and, you know, evolving, you know, whereas, you know, I'm a huge Rolling Stones fan, but, you know, the Stones have a formula that works and, and they don't really move too far from that formula, I think, yeah. especially in the last, you know, 20 years. with a lot of bands. Yeah. Whereas Bowie starts messing with drum and bass and you know and and does tin machine and you know critically wasn't well received but it never stopped him going right for the next album i'm never just going to go and you know i don't Mm want to make another album i've already made it was i just i think that's an artist even the even the music that was successful didn't have a formula Mm. um and he just sprinkled magic into his music um listening to Galen dorsey talk about how he never had a plan about a track but it would he would just eke it out of the musicians that he was working with and would would encourage them and would would listen to what their um contributions were and, and would you know he was like a director of music um and um 
I appreciate that. In an art, that's what making art is. I, you know, some artists have a concept and then they try and create the concept that they have in their head, and others are like Michelangelo, where they have to, they have to, you know, clip away, knock away, um, chisel away at the marble until the sculpture um, um, uh, appears. Um, yeah, lots of erms. I want to not say erm anymore. <laughs> I never listened to my podcast back from fear of like <laughs> going into like a, a, a different realm of on, on the ermometer if there's such a thing because uh, <laughs> there's plenty of erms. It's all right. It's podcast. You don't edit. There's no editing. No, I can't Can you no. edit this bit out, please, Stu. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Track Good to two. Good to know. No, you don't have to. It's fine. Back to what? Yeah. I want to know the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. Well, this could only be one song um, from 1977, so a year before I came to England, and it was We Are The Champions by Queen. Okay. Um, And consequently, the whole of the album News of the World. I was absolutely, and I this was my first first record that I just fell in love with. I would say definitely this was my, this and Freddie were my first loves in music. Um, and I was in Holland and my English wasn't great. I hadn't, you know, uh, but even though, you know, even though my English wasn't brilliant, I knew intrinsically, you know, what each song was portraying emotionally. Um, and I would be found, I have a picture of it somewhere. I should have, and this is a podcast, so there's no visuals, but I do have a picture of me sitting against my dad's hi-fi unit, you know, big white bookcase, you know, um, me sitting on the cold flagstones in front of it with these big hi-fi headphones, um, listening to News of the World. And he'd be, he had the Stones and Pink Floyd and the Beatles, but um, News of the World was it for me. And that that's what I would do after school. And I would, I would study the lyrics, um, um, and yeah, that was it. We are the champions. Did it for me, and still does. What would the emotion have been? Oh, just another world. Not that my world was bad. I mean, I was I, I had a I had a pretty good childhood, um, and you know, I I was not wanting for anything. Um, just uh, building up my own identity, you know, and, and this this was not influenced by any friend or any boyfriend or, or anyone on the TV, and it was simply my own decision that this was amazing. It was the storytelling. It was all the different genres, although I didn't, you know, now I know about that, you know. Um, there's hard rock on the album. There's ballads. There's songs that could fit in a musical on in the West End, you know, on the West End stage, I was just enthralled by by the by the storytelling, I think, and by the melodies, and that was it. Would you would you sort of deconstruct it as well? Was was music something that that you'd obsess over as well? No, I've never obsessed over music. I obsess more over the personas that the people portray. Um, uh, as musicians as the as you know i was really into musicals as well there was a dutch musical called foxtrot which was about the, the war in the 1940s um i was just i my dad was a, is still is an actor and and i was really into being a performer i was very very um precocious at school you know i was i wanted to be the center of attention but i was but also didn't have that many friends because I lived too far away. And I knew I had some kind of charm, you know, and I was just, I was just all about performance, which is why I think Freddie um, and Queen was so interesting to me. And the other record, which I could have mentioned was um, Ravel's Bolero. That was the other uh, record that really, that was my first ever vinyl that I got bought for Christmas or Sinterklaas as they call it in Holland. And um, because we studied it at school, but then of course, 10, you know, the film 10, 10 kind of ruined that for me. Yeah. That'll happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned you was precocious and, and, and you, you loved attention. Mm. Were you confident though? Yes, I was. I really was because I had been, given the idea by my dad that I was a princess and I could achieve anything I wanted to, you know? Um, 
And that confidence, you know, sort of got knocked out of me when I started going to boarding school in England and had to start a whole new life and didn't know the language, but not really. I mean, it was just I had to start all over again, you know. But I was always swanning around and dressing up and putting makeup on and wigs and whatever. Yes. Well, that that's uh, that that fits nicely for uh, for track three, which is a song that reminds you of your time at school. Well, I couldn't just pick one because my school days in England. Um, I had to go with my school days in England, which was between seventy eight and eighty three. Okay. Um, so I couldn't just pick one. There was no way. But so I went for the. I went. I wanted to talk about the tracks that I visually remember putting on the record player in the dormitories because I was at boarding school, or the study units, and it. You can pick which one you want to talk about, but it's Spano Ballet, to cut a long story short, Human League, Don't You Want Me, Duran Duran, Planet Earth, Bauhaus, Bella Lugosi's Dead, Madness, Baggy Trousers, The Cure, Primary, and Heaven 17, well, Penthouse and Pavement. So... It was it was either it was either new romantics or um, post sort of punk, you know. I mean, you've just and the Stranglers as well. Stranglers, yeah, the the, the album Rattus Noveg whatever you, however you call it. I mean, so if I was to choose one, yes, what were you going to say? You've just rattled off some incredible records there. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't know which one to choose. Oh well, I might have to choose the Cure. Oh, no, I'm not going to choose The Cure because my next one's The Cure. Your next question okay. is The Cure. So I think I'm going to have to go for Heaven 17 and um, uh, Fascist Groove Thing or, cool. or Penthouse and Pavement, basically the whole album. Um, because, again, I would, I was, this was so sixth form and suddenly I had a study unit. In the sixth form, you had a study unit where you studied. And I, and I was in with the really cool boys from a year up from me. Um, and they were all they were in a band together um and they were listening to penthouse and pavement i think no they weren't i was i asked to borrow their record player so i could glue myself to their headphones and listen do no studying just listen to penthouse and pavement and when it came to christmas that's right it was somebody else's record um when it came to christmas i put notes all around the house saying marina wants penthouse and pavement for christmas like ten <laughs> notes all over the cottage where I live with oh, my mum. Yeah, and then the nice thing about the records that I've just um, reeled off is that I did end up meeting most of the people involved in those bands in the last few in the last twenty five years. You know, I mean, that's very cool <laughs> for somebody that liked. Oh, and the specials are in there as well. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> You've literally said all the bands now. Is there anything Ooh. left now? Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, I mean, you mentioned, and, and it's a term I, I love, I don't hear very often, you, you enjoyed swanning around um, in wigs and stuff. Um, yeah. That period of music, whether it be the kind of darker, you know, gothier shades of, of, of Bauhaus and, and Cure mm. and Stranglers and, and you know, post-punk kind of thing, or even the new romantic side of things, you know, with with Heaven 17 and, and, and Duran and stuff. And all of that was so colourful and so ridiculously over the top in, you know, in its, you know, in, in very different ways. Did you throw yourself into all of that? Well, the boys I was hanging out with did. So I have a vivid memory of standing in the lunch queue with Fergus, who was wearing, you know, a really frilly white shirt and, and, and no one else was. And I said, what is this? He went, don't you know? It's the new thing. It's the new romantic look. I went, okay. And he, I ended up going out with him for a while um, because what women do a lot, girls do a lot, they get influenced by the music their boyfriends are listening to, you know. Um, so a lot of this is boys influencing me. Um, what was the question? It was <laughs> did just I, did I remind you of school. Yeah, like. yeah I, I was um, – the other thing, oh my god, I'm talking about it now. So so much comes up. Um, the did I really dress up? Um, you know what? Yes, I think I did. Um, I had like really short black and white, uh, you know, uh, s- s- kilt skirts and things like that. But it, it was school, so you didn't. You even though I didn't have a uniform, I couldn't completely just be. Um, 
I'm, you could, I, you, you're getting me right down memory. I had, what I did was I dyed my hair. That was it. I had never had my own color hair. It was either pink, red, blonde with black bits. I looked like a German shepherd. Um, <laughs> you know, um, that's how I express myself. Um, earrings, perspex, bright pink and bright green earrings. It was, that's, that's, that was the look, basically, the new romantic look. And then I had leather jackets. Um, yeah, I was just a kid, you know, in this, this era. I think everyone w- would have been doing the same. Hello, I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such so if you want to hear the songs just go over to spotify and search off the beat and track podcast and you can listen to all the songs because i've put playlists up for each of these if you can't find it on there i'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode so you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So I guess picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. How was it being uh, a Dutch girl that, you know, was learning to speak English suddenly in a, a boarding school in, in, in England? How was that? Well, it was an adventure. It was incredibly exciting to me, you know. Um, later on, I think I probably suffered quite a lot of psychological trauma because basically I was taken away from my dad, um, not in a malicious way, but I was living in a different country from him uh, from the age of 12. And uh, I missed him. I still do terribly. He's 86 now. Um and I, but I learned to speak English very, very quickly because everybody was like the cute little Dutch girl in, in dungarees and kickers and a little floral Laura Ashley shirt because that's how my stepmom had dressed me, not knowing that that was the exact uniform that would uh, mean you could be part of the trendy gang, you know. <laughs> so very lucky. Um, and so everybody taught me swear words. Uh, first thing. Jesus Christ, you know, that was my swear word. And I had a little half penny swear box. And every time I said Jesus Christ, I'd have to put a little penny in there. So I was taken under everyone's wing because I was so cute and Dutch. I had a Dutch accent, you know, you know. Um, and um, it was a big, big adventure. And I was there for five years and it was a very creative school. Um, again, you know, I am not a musician that's come come from a... A, a poor background, you know, uh, and I think sometimes, you know, people don't like that because, you know, you're supposed to have suffered as a kid if you're going to be an artist. Well, I did suffer emotionally because I was taken from away from my dad and my mum married a man who I was never keen on. Um, so, you know, that's tough. And I was at boarding school. I wasn't even at home. It's, it's, a, it's a, I think it's a cheap shot to... to to, to, to dig out 
you know, artists that may have had more privileged upbringings than others, but it's not their fault. It's just, <laughs> you're just born into what you're born into, aren't you? And like, you know, you, you can't do anything about it. And yeah. And I was a born performer. My dad is a performer, you know, and my sister is a performer. My other brother's a performer. They're musicians. They're, you know, it's just, it's in the blood. And so, so what did you want to be when you was at school? Uh, I wanted to be famous. <laughs> How crap is that? You're, you certainly won't be the first, and you're certain. <laughs> sorry, you're certainly not the first, and you won't be the last to say that to that question on this podcast. Yeah. So when I left school, I I just found my way to fame in whichever way I could, and being a performing type anyway, it was just easy um, to work my way through all the different things that I, and because I was good at it you know I was I was I was all like you know Ta-da, here I am <laughs> whether you like it or not you're gonna like me <laughs> you know I mean very very driven um and you asked earlier whether I had confidence as a kid and um I had I had a lot of confidence even into my early 20s um because I was naive, naive confidence. Um, and things seemed to work for me. Um, my first performing role ever was still at school, and I should have mentioned this track, but it was we put on the Rocky Horror stage show as um, as the leaving um, performance, the sixth form, you know. Okay. And, <laughs> okay. Um, and um, I sung, I was one of the waitresses that sings, oh, no, not waitresses, the, the cinema girl, you know, with the ice cream that sings at the very beginning. That was my very first singing thing. And then I also choreographed the chorus, the chor- the, the, there's two different groups of dancers and I choreographed them and I was all dressed up in suspenders and things. And it was just, I was just, just felt at home. Um, where were we? I'm, I'm also interested in, you said that the school was quite creative as well. So all of the things that you, you know, you hoped to pursue and you was, you know, into, was that actively sort of encouraged at, at the school you went to? Very, very much so. Yeah, it was, um, it was co-educational, no uniform, um, very much focused on the creative arts, but also on uh, Oxford and Cambridge so and you know I could reel off names of people that went to that school but I don't know whether that will benefit me at all <laughs> whether it's interesting um but I think my parents saw something in me and thought we can't just put her in the basics state school here in Holland in this village you know she needs something a little bit more where she can be free and I suppose they did the right thing but you know emotionally I, I was very lonely and it took me a long time to understand how to look after myself um, because nobody had nurtured me from the age of 12 to 17. And then I left home at 18. I hadn't been nurtured. Would you, so it was really would you change hard. change that in hindsight? Would I change it? Yeah, I would never put my own child in boarding school. Yeah. Never in a million years. No, never. Because you need to be at home with your mum and dad or your mum or your dad. And my son is, lives in, has two homes. Um, which is, you know, of course not ideal, but it's better than living in a warring home. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So uh, your question was, what did I want to do? I wanted to be famous because I, I needed the universal love that I, I hadn't been nurtured. Yeah. It all makes sense. I've said this before and before, and I haven't got a new story. You know, this, this is, it's just is what it is. I'm not that person anymore. What was the first record you bought? It was The Cure, Killing an Arab. Oh, what a record. (laughs) I waited outside the record store for it to open in Dorking in Surrey, which is where my mother, yeah, my mother lived. I say my mother lived. I lived, but, you know, I went to boarding school, so, yeah. So as as, as you grew up, Mm. did... Did record shops become kind of places that were important to you? Would you hang out in them? Um, no, because, again, 
I was into music as a personality thing. I wasn't into music because I loved music per se. I was into music because it created my persona and it was uh, the music that would be, you know, played in the homes of the boyfriends that I had. Um, I was so, I was really very self-obsessed and I was just into, into me and into trying desperately to write those English essays, uh, trying desperately to be, you know, good at maths. And I was much better than, you know, my exam results showed. Um, I was just into being a silly little Dutch girl. So music, I was, I never knew I was going to be a musician until I met Paul Kennedy. Uh, It was just not on my radar. Although I was a pianist um, and I had piano lessons and I got to about grade five, but again, I didn't practice. I didn't have any discipline, again, because I wasn't nurtured. Um, um, So, no, you you want me to say and hang out in record shops, but I didn't. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's, it's not a common answer. I know that, um, you know, some people find sort of, you know, solace in, in them places, leafing through through mm. through records and that. Um, mm. For track five, the song that soundtracked your time clubbing. Yeah, interesting question. I didn't go clubbing. I didn't like clubbing. So, but the 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 one band, the one song that came close to that was "Soul to Souls, Back to Life," um, nineteen eighty nine. Um, I was already making music with Paul as the Merry Babes, which is the band that precursors Salad. And we were hanging out in our house uh, in the Finchley Road um, above a shop, seven of us living there, seven art students in a house above a shop. You can imagine the havoc. Oh, my God, it was the best time of my life. <laughs> Parties, the makeup, the, 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 the flares, the silver flares I made, the, the orange the orange um, with Diamante eyelashes. And I'm just talking about one particular party and an orange cake we made. But anyway, my friend, my best friend, Alice, who's still my best friend, we lived in a room together. Um, She popped her head around the corner of the door while Paul and I were working on some music. She said, hey, you guys, I really, I really want you to hear this band. They're called Soul to Soul. We're like, no, no. Not in no, no, not for us. Not not into soul. No, come on. You know it's better than that. <laughs> but really, it's really great. And so eventually, we were forced to listen to Zolt Soul album, and we were we were immediately um, hooked. So that was that was that would be my clubbing record because I didn't go clubbing. I mean, <laughs> but their album was called something with clubbing. Club classics. There uh, you go. Classics. Uh, so. I think it's a fair answer. It's a great answer. I, I was not part of the Summer of Love. Didn't I never liked clubbing because you can talk to people. I hate small talk. I cannot abide small talk. Uh, and that's all you could do yeah. in club. I've been I'm a sorry. club promoter for 30 years, and, <laughs> and it's very, very strange. Um, I've had some incredible people come and DJ at my clubs, and I've got so many things that I'd like to talk to them about, but yeah. I can't do it because I'm in a really noisy environment, literally leaning into their ear, shouting, and it's not conducive to, you know, yeah. anything other than, as you say, small talk, mm. and uh, and that's a shame. But I, I think if you're going to pick a record from that era that soundtrack, not just the club scene, it soundtracked every car stereo that drove past me. Uh, then was that soul to soul beat you know that you heard on keep on moving that you heard on back to life it was you know that hot just what jazzy b come up with at that point was was so british as well it it you know there was so much kind of you know soul and r&b music coming coming over from the states yet soul to soul there's something that sounds very london about it well, his yeah. accent, all you know, yeah. I don't know whether you've heard of the family, Mark LeBon and James LeBon, but that he reminded me very much of, of them because of the way they talk, they had really deep voice, yeah. you know. I mean, you know, can't get more London yeah. than that. He didn't Americanize, you know. Absolutely. His vocals, his talking. And, and Karen Wheeler, like her voice, <laughs> her vocals, just stunning, absolutely <laughs> stunning. Okay. Track six, favourite song from an artist from your home county? 
Yeah. Where are we well, going here? <laughs> well, exactly. Where are? Where do you think we're going? We can either go 1975 or we can go 2019. Let's do both. Okay. 1975. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Mississippi by Pussycat. Mississippi, and the girl has got red hair, a, a strawberry uh, red hair, strawberry blonde. She's got a big gap in her teeth, and that's all I can remember. Yeah, yeah, Pussycat. The band is called Pussycat, and the song's Mississippi. I also could have gone for um, the band that did um, Venus, um, Shocking Blue. Yep. You heard of them? Of course. What a great uh, but I. I didn't go for them because I didn't know about them until a few, like a year ago or so. Mm. But the other, the 2019 is Pip Blom, I Think I'm in Love, oh. which is an excellent, excellent record. And even though it's quite derivative of the lo-fi sort of music scene and Nirvana and Pixies and Breeders, it's it's not doing anything new in that respect. However, it is genius. Uh, everything is perfect, you know, about this song in particular. Just really, really and I'm so proud that they're Dutch. Well, you you, you touched on um, some, some of the kind of lo-fi and alternative music from from back in the kind of you know early to mid '90s, and and that was when I first became aware of who you was, um, yeah. and 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 seeing you on TV and stuff, and and then seeing and then seeing Salad many times. Um, and Thank you. How how was those you know? That those those years in the you know early to mid nineties. It was an incredibly exciting time because I was basically fulfilling my dreams. Uh, I was first of all I was a fashion model. I started that in nineteen eighty six. Um, I tried three times. Third time lucky, you know. Um, I, nothing, you know, nothing could stop me. Uh, again, so self obsessed. Then uh, then MTV came along in nineteen ninety one. And suddenly I had the fame that I'd always, you know, needed, I thought. But all along I was making music with Paul. So the the, the seemingly superficial um, sort of jobs that I had, the, the modeling and the TV presenting, underneath it was making music with Paul. And I was I went out with him from 85 to 88. So it, it came from a really safe place so I was making this music with my best my boyfriend and then my best friend and I felt and we knew we had something to show the world I mean ridiculous confidence and arrogance really but you need that if you're going to get anywhere if you haven't got that in a band then yeah yeah forget it yeah um my my painter and decorator, we, we've got scaffolding all outside, and he, he just came in to help me with something. He saw my big salad poster for drinking, and he said, is that you? I'm like, yeah, 25 years ago. And he went, blimey, I was in a band, but, you know, there's so much competition. And I was like, yeah, there is. The only way you're going to do it if you just feel you've got it, you know. Anyway, so those early 90s was heaven for me because – I was at art school and I left art school in 86 because I didn't really know what the hell I was doing. I had no confidence in terms of making art. I was confident in myself as a person, but I didn't know what the hell to make art about. And so I left film school um, after a year because I suddenly had the opportunity to be a model because I felt, you know, if I'm going to make art, I need to live. I need to live. I haven't lived. I, I just want to ask you something at that at this point then. So you, you, you was at art school but didn't feel like you was kind of – competent of what you you know should be doing and and you said when you was a a, a, you know when you when you got into um fashion modeling it was the third sort of strike at it um have you ever sort of had like that sort of you know do you ever suffer and and still do you ever suffer with like imposter syndrome yes of course (laughs) but only only once you that only happens once you become successful so first you push and you push and you push and you're the underdog and no you know you say I'm no good I'm gonna show you and then when you suddenly break through and everyone goes wow you're so good you go oh my god am I oh I don't think I am when are they gonna see through I mean that is the classic that is the classic and also um my son is is autistic, and I've obviously uh, discussed, you know, researched a lot of the autistic spectrum, and I'm probably very, very close, not quite, but very close to being having Asperger's myself, because I can recognise 
Like if somebody praises me for having done something good, suddenly it's a real demand. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be able to do it again. Shit. You know, and then you fuck up. Uh, sorry, is it nine o'clock? <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Um, and then you fuck up because the pressure has just become too much. My son has pathological demand avoidance, and that that is just the demands of everyday life and what other people expect to you are just too much, and you just fight or flight and you run away and you you melt down or you just shut down. So I probably have a few traits of that as well. Um, yeah, imposter syndrome, for sure. Less... I have to say less now. Lockdown has done an awful lot for me feeling like, you know what, you can only do one day at a time and you can only do your best. Having a son with autism, same deal. Your 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 um, perspectives change, your priorities change. Um, and I'm grateful because that is the real stuff. That's the real deal. I remember when Salad broke up in 19... 19- eight i was really quite pleased to get to the back to the real world because i'd missed it i I needed to live in the real world to get my feet back on the ground i liked it you know but i still needed a bit of pizzazz so i was i'm glad to be back (laughs) well for the last song um you get to pick a track and play dj so i want to know the song that many may not know that you would like them to hear well i'm afraid i picked one of our own that's all right you won't be the first to do that is that allowed? Of course it is. Because, because um, in 19, no, 2016, 17, when Paul and I came back, just the two of us, um, we were called Salad Undressed. And with Donald, who's now our drummer and our old producer from the 90s, we made an album called Good Love, Bad Love. And even though I say so myself, I think it's a classic. <laughs> the nostalgia has already set in for the recording of it um we recorded it for a year a year of mondays because that's all the time that we had that we were all free the three of us and donald was living in an absolute shithole in westbourne park road in notting hill in a basement i hated it but i just gripped my teeth and got on with it because i knew that we were onto something good it was just on a laptop and a, a year of mondays gave us good love bad love and the song that i would really like to play from that is called nowhere near Wonderful. um yeah and so <laughs> as we find ourselves coming out of lockdown um it appears to be happening um What's what's the plans? What's coming up? We are recording, but remotely. Um, Donald uh, has got like a, a studio set up somewhere in an abandoned house where Paul can go and social distance see, social distance record vocals and guitar because he's got a wife who's at risk at home, so he's really being careful. Charlie's also not keen on meeting up anywhere. Um, we just need to rejig our live stuff. We haven't really gone there. I think we should have because I think maybe all the all 2021 is already booked up probably. Um, I think new recordings uh, is what's happening. Paul is doing a solo record called The Kennedy Corridor. I'm supposed to be doing a solo record, but I'm kind of busy homeschooling and doing a move. I think I'm going to move to Brighton. Can be by the sea, yeah. Um, good for my son. He needs a life. He hasn't got one here. But for salad, it's just recording. I think we'd like to record, release like one track a month, and set up a mailing list and see what happens. It's never going to go back to normal, so we need to think outside the box. Totally. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today. I've had it's been an absolute delight listening to you talking about records. Oh, thank you so much, Stu, for contacting me. I really do hope that, you know, there's enough there for you guys to get your teeth into. Plenty. And if you're happy uh, for me to do so, when this comes out, um, I'll tag you in it so uh, so people uh, can go and find out more about your music if, they've, uh, if they've not heard the new album and such. Please do. Yeah. It's been real pleasure. Thank you for taking me on memory lane. Thank you. There you go. That call was Marina. That was such a good chat. Um, 
We carried on nattering after our press stop, which is uh, which is always a sign that it's been a good podcast. And uh, and yeah, it was really really nice chatting. Um, I hope you all enjoyed it. Um, as mentioned at the beginning, uh, if you did, then then go and have a look in the archives because um, there's over 160 episodes now of of this podcast, and you know with with, with some of the most incredible guests, you know some of some amazing musicians and producers, DJs, actors. Stand ups, go and go and have a rummage in the vaults and see what you can find. I'm sure you'll find something that will tickle your fancy. I'm done. I'm back next week. Remember everything you need to know off the beat and track podcast.com. See you next time. Bye bye. I've got an announcement. Save our souls clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk. Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So, if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk, official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track Podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with him. Eat a monkey.